Hi everyone, here's what's bothering me today. Normally throughout this series, I don't know if people have noticed or not, but we've been going in chronological order. But I was going to make an exception for this final episode in Black History Month. And, you know, there are so many other incredible Black Canadians I could have talked about. I could have talked about Elijah McCoy. I could have talked about Leonard Braithwaite. I could have talked about Portia White. I could have talked about Donovan Bailey. I could have talked about Willie O'Ree. I could have talked about Angela James. There are so many. But I felt compelled to leave this one for the very end, even though he should have been one of the first. And that is the story of Josiah Henson, the man who would inspire Uncle Tom's cabin. Josiah Henson was, again, born a slave, but he was also an author, an abolitionist, and a minister. He was born into slavery in Port Tobacco, Charles County, Maryland, and eventually escaped to Upper Canada in 1830. When he arrived, he immediately got to work creating a settlement and a laborer's school for other fugitive slaves. And he did this uh, near the town of Dresden in Kent County. And he would lead a decent life, but then near the end of his life, he would write his own autobiography, which was titled um, The Life of Josiah Henson, formerly a slave, now an inhabitant of Canada, as narrated by himself. And it's widely believed to have inspired the title character of Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin. Now here's where it gets weird. So following the release of Uncle Tom's Cabin, Henson issues an expanded version of his memoir in 1858 titled Truth Stranger Than Fiction, Father Henson's story of his own life. And yeah, this is why we should probably talk a bit more about Uncle Tom's Cabin and racism and discrimination faced by black people at this point in time. So, like I said, he was born into slavery on a plantation, a tobacco plantation, in Maryland. And it is here that he was first-hand witness to many slave atrocities. According to Josiah, his father was enslaved by Francis Newman. And uh, Josiah Henson claims that his mother and his siblings were enslaved by Dr. Josiah McPherson. When he was a boy, Josiah recounted that um, as punishment for uh, allegedly standing up against a, um, a slave overseer, he received 100 lashes. And to make matters worse, his right ear was nailed to a whipping post and cut off. After that, his father was sold away into slavery in Alabama. Jones and his family never saw him again. After that, uh, Josiah himself says that he experienced many hardships and suffering at the hands of his masters. He reports having his arms broken and injury to his back, yet was still required to pick, uh, pick and dry tobacco for harvest. And then when his master died, his family was, of course, split up and scattered to the winds. At the slave auction, when his mother was purchased, she pleaded to her new owner to also purchase Josiah. In return, he hit her 
and kicked her. Now, later, after some trade deals going back and forth in negotiations, Josiah is reunited with his mother. I don't know about the rest of his siblings, though. There's plenty more terrifying stories which you can read about in his autobiography. But let's talk about what leads to him getting his freedom in Canada, shall we? So after being reunited with his mother um, and some people are falling ill and there's some economic hardships, Josiah's working for a while, proves himself to be a good, loyal worker, rises in esteem, uh, but then there's an economic hardship and his uh, master, he falls on economic hardship and has to sell a bunch of his slaves. And so he entrusts Josiah to lead a bunch of his slaves by foot down to Kentucky for sale. So he leads them all down there. They arrive at the, at the plantation. The deal is struck. You know, the job is, the dark job is done. Josiah returns to Maryland. When he returns, he tries to buy his freedom because over the time after doing work, he's actually saved up quite a fair sum of money in those days. He actually saved up $350 and he also wrote up a note promising another $100. He just needed to save up that last $100. Now, originally, uh, Henson only needed to pay the extra $100 by note, but his owner, Mr. Riley, added a zero to the end of the note, making the fee $1,000. So, cheated of his money, Josiah returns to Kentucky and then flees to Kent County in Upper Canada, which we now call Ontario, fearing that he might be sold again. Now, he didn't escape alone. Josiah also took his family with him, including his wife and their three children. Um, there was another instance in here of his master promising him freedom, but then he found out that he was actually planning to sell him to slit into slavery in New Orleans and also split up his family. So that just cemented it. And he absolutely made the push for freedom in Canada in 1830. And he thankfully escaped with his family. So here's what happened in terms of their escape, which again speaks to just the magnitude of what slaves had to do to escape slavery. So uh, they created a knapsack large enough to carry both of their smallest children and the eldest two would accompany his wife. Uh, and then while leaving and traveling through Kentucky, they would um, travel through the night and sleep in the woods throughout the day. Uh, then they crossed into Indiana for a bit and then into Ohio where in Cincinnati they found like a safe house if you will. After that uh, they then moved into Ohio. They eventually come to encounter Captain Burnham who was a ship's captain who agreed to transport them to Buffalo, New York and then from Buffalo they crossed the river into Canada finally achieving freedom and safety. Now, as we've talked about already in the Thornton Blackburn episode, by this point, Canada had been absolutely cemented. Well, Upper Canada, at least, had been cemented as a safe terminus for the Underground Railroad. This meant that Josiah was absolutely a free man. He didn't have to worry about being taken back into chains and sold into slavery in God knows what part of the South. Apparently, upon stepping foot into Canada, Josiah Henson described the ecstatic feelings of liberation and allegedly threw himself on the ground and rejoiced with his family. All that's missing from that is leaning down and kissing the sweet dirt of freedom, but who knows if that happened or not. It was also very fortuitous for 
Josiah because just three years after his arrival in 1833, slavery would be abolished in the British Empire, all but guaranteeing his freedom. So later in life, Josiah Henson, with safety and being a good worker, he works on a farm in Fort Erie, Ontario. And then he eventually moves to Waterloo and then moves with friends to Colchester in 1834. And they set up a black settlement on rented land. And after working on this land and saving up enough money, Josiah is able to send his oldest son to school. As thanks for this, his son, whose name was Tom, teaches his father Josiah how to read. After becoming literate, Josiah Henson begins to become uh, a venerable leader for the growing community of fugitive slaves in Canada, especially in this area because it was the most common point of crossing for slaves seeking freedom from the South. And through his contacts and getting financial assistance, Josiah Henson was able to acquire 200 acres in Don Township to finally begin realizing his dream of a self-sufficient community. And if you're thinking this is where his story ends, you'd be mistaken. He comes to lead the community. Uh, the community begins to be very um, successful in selling black walnut lumber to um, Canadian, British, and American markets. And uh, he also ended up purchasing an additional 200 acres where his family lived. And he's also becoming a more activist Methodist preacher, and he's going on these sort of speaking routes between Tennessee and Ontario. And on top of that, he ends up joining uh, the Canadian Army or the Canadian militia, rather, as a military officer. And he leads a black militia unit during the rebellions of 1837. And it's during these rebellions in 1838 that they capture a rebel ship named Anne. And this cut off the rebel supply line to uh, southwestern Upper Canada, where jo uh, Josiah and his family and his community were living and had set up their home base. After all this time and this service, eventually the American Civil War rolls around. And then when they know that they're finally free, many of the settlers of Dawn Township returned to the United States. However... Josiah and his wife continued to live there for the rest of their lives. And even at one point in his life, he managed to make a journey to Great Britain where he met Queen Victoria herself. This man led such an incredible, amazing life, fraught with the difficulty and the horrors of slavery from an early age, being separated from family and having to flee to freedom to Canada and to still find reason to push forward and help people and preach about abolition and fairness and equality, serving with the Canadian militia, making a new home in a new land, meeting the queen, serving in the military. This man is ticking off all the boxes of what we like to think of as the ideal Canadian or the ideal mythologized version of a Canadian. He's a part 
of our history and inspired the very controversial book, Uncle Tom's Cabin. The man just is a testament to how integrated and tied together the history and the fate of black people are, not just in the United States, but here in Canada. The history and the legacy of black people on this continent transcends our borders. Black people in Canada, whether they have escaped from slavery in the States or they came here as immigrants from the Caribbean, they have left such a long and impressive legacy on this country. From the sports of boxing and hockey to serving with distinction in the military to producing incredibly talented musicians and politicians and civil rights activists and campaigning for the rights and the dignity of all men and women. This is a legacy that should absolutely be celebrated. And sure, there's instances, you know, we see online, you know, these stories that come out. Oh, you know, the occasional story for Black History Month or here's what people are doing now. And it's nice, but it also tends to focus only on the good parts of it. Part of why I wanted to make this series was to show how similar Canada is in terms of being compared to the United States and our treatment of black people. We like to lie to ourselves and say that we're better than them, despite also having a 200 year long history of slavery, despite treating black people with disdain and derision and openly accepting segregation, only making strides conveniently during the civil rights movement in the 60s and the 70s. And yet, centuries prior to that, Black Canadians have left an indelible mark on Canada. They are a part of our heritage, but unfortunately that heritage does not get talked about because in many ways it is very uncomfortable and difficult to confront. It is not for us to lie about the complexity of this history, which I find we often do. In doing this series, I hope that all of you learned some new things. I know I did. I was fascinated and I'm just filled with renewed appreciation, but also anger. I'm filled with this anger at not knowing about many of these people and these stories in the first place. What does that say about the state of our education and who's making these decisions and who's deciding what is or isn't popular to talk about? The numbers on these videos speak for themselves compared to my usual numbers. There is still a problem that we need to face in Canada and the United States and just the West in general. But I hope that people learned something and came to appreciate more of the legacy and impact that black people from Nova Scotia to British Columbia have left on this country of Canada and led to its furthering improvement and prosperity. The struggle continues, but I hope that people got something out of this. It's been a long and a difficult Black History Month, 
but I've had a lot of fun doing this. And I thank each and every one of you for coming on this journey with me. But the fact that the journey had to be embarked upon in the first place is definitely what's bothering me today.